I bring you greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every great path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we looked at what repentance is as we began to look at the foundational building blocks of the Christian faith. We were looking at the first of that layer, which is repentance from dead works. And we had said that we're going to look at the repentance from dead works from three perspectives. We're going to look at repentance itself, and then we'll look at what dead works are. And then we'll bring the two groups together and look at what repentance from dead works means. What we did essentially was to look at what repentance is. And we said that repentance involves, first and foremost, a realization that one has done wrong or that one is towing a wrong path. Secondly, an acknowledgement based on that realization that indeed one has done wrong and indeed one is towing a wrong path. And then an admittance or a confession of the fact that one is wrong and that one is on a wrong path. It means also or involves that one would see that wrong path as totally unacceptable to God. One would also have to loathe and forsake that wrong path or that wrong that one has done. We must be detached from the wrong itself in our confession. It's not just enough to confess that I'm wrong or I've done wrong, but I must see that that thing is actually wrong and should never be done again. And finally, it must lead to a change of course to the right path, to the proper path as prescribed by the Holy Spirit. Anything short of that is not repentance. Now, repentance we therefore define as a turning away from a course of action on which you are now convinced by the Holy Spirit, having been convinced by the Holy Spirit, to be the wrong choice or the wrong thing to have done. And you have now accepted and openly admitted to that wrong. And as a result, you have now turned to the proper and the right course of action. There must be a turning from, a turning towards. So you must move from realizing that this thing is wrong and then change direction. If you are not convinced that it is wrong and you even change direction, you are going to go back because you are not convinced. So there must be a conviction that it is a wrong path. Then you cannot make your change of course and, all, and so on and so forth. Then we also said that it is a permanent change. This is important because you don't keep changing and changing and changing. That's not repentance. It is a permanent change of attitude towards a lifestyle that is contrary to God. Having been convinced of this by the Holy Spirit, it, it is important that there is a conviction and acknowledging and admitting one's guilt occasioned by a broken and contrite heart. The, the heart that can truly repent is a heart that is broken and contrite. That permanent change must lead to a lifestyle, a behavior, a conduct that is acceptable to God what we call righteousness or godliness or godly living. So you move away from ungodly living, from worldliness to righteousness, to godly living, to godliness. That is repentance. And the process must be there. Repentance is not just an end result, but the process that leads to that end result. It cannot be a change without the realization the acknowledging and the admittance. In other words, there must be conviction, there must be contrition, there must be confession for there to be a conversion. Anything short of this 
is not repentance. In this broadcast, we want to look at what repentance is not. And in looking at what repentance is not, we shall be picking on some biblical examples. Some of the scriptures we're going to read can be lengthy, but we'll see what we're trying to draw out from there. So let us begin at Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 through to 34. Genesis 25, verse 39 to 34. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And I'll just read verse 16 and 17. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17. Well, let me read from 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. In verse 16, which is where we're going to say, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. But that's not the issue here. In verse 17, it now says, For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. When Esau was hungry, he sold his birthright to Jacob. It was just an agreement between two brothers, and there was nobody else there. So it seemed like, okay, no big deal. I'm hungry. What do I need birthright for? If I die, what is birthright going to do for me? Take it. So the Bible says he despised it at that point in time. Then when it was time to receive the blessing of the firstborn. And Isaac, their father, requested that he go and bring him venison that and prepare the way he normally prepares because Isaac loved it so that Isaac could bless him. God, knowing what would happen, knowing that this is a profane guy, God made the arrangement in such a way that their mother, don't forget they were twins, their mother, Rebecca, now arranged for Jacob to take the food to the father. And indeed, Isaac was going blind. So he said, oh, come, let me smell you. Why do you, why do you have, how is it that you come so soon? So he smelled him, felt his hands. But when he kept hearing the voice, said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. Even though the body, the hand, the smell is that of Esau. But the, that should have kept him from blessing Jacob. But because of what had happened, God was in charge here. So Isaac pronounced a blessing upon Jacob. Shortly after Jacob had received the blessing and had left. Esau now came in with the food. And Isaac said, ah, who is this? He said, oh, this is it. He said, then who is it that came? And I blessed the person. He said, ah, that must have been my brother. I said, well, he is blessed because I've blessed him. I'm not going to change it. He can't even be changed. He's been blessed. Then Esau began to weep and said, oh, my father, isn't there another blessing for me? Isn't there something left for me? And the father said, okay, you are going to serve your brother. But when you are tired, you will try and fight yourself away from him. But he will be your head. So he sought for the blessing with tears. It is not just the shedding of tears. You see, many people think that because somebody is crying, it means that he's repentant. No, repentance is not just shedding tears because you now realize what you have lost. No, that's not repentance. That is just regret. And that regret 
is, is still not repentant because of what you have missed. You have missed a blessing. Esau did not address the root cause. You see, repentance addresses the root cause in the sense that I disregarded what was given to me. I threw it aside and I went after something that had no meaning. I traded something of value because of my stomach. That is what Esau should have addressed. Oh, look at me today, my father. The reason why I'm going through this, I sold my birthright to this man. He didn't address that. Instead, even after all of that, Esau, the Bible records that Esau came out and began to swear that when I catch this Jacob, he would, that would be the end. So the mother arranged for Jacob to leave. Esau was never repentant. His repentance was false, was fake. It was because he realized that he had lost something. If it were possible for him to receive that blessing without the loss of the birthright, it wouldn't even mean anything to him that he sold the birthright. I would just say, well, you see now, I still gained it. So we must understand repentance is not just shedding of tears. It's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry, only because you lost something and you want that thing back. No, that's not repentance. Secondly, we go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 8. And I'm going to read verse 8 to 15. I'm going to read three portions in Exodus here. Verse 8 to 15. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and from your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God, and the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the rivers only. Now let's read verse 15. After they had removed the frogs, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now let's go to verse 20 and read a few of the verses up to verse 32. From verse 20, and the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so. For we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then they will then will they not stone us because they worship cows. And he said, What we are going to sacrifice are these things they heard. So would they not stone us? He said, We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he will command us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only. You shall not go very far off, intercede for me. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord, and the swarm of the flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore 
in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Let's go to chapter 9 and read from verse 22 to 35. We're just reading selected portions to see what repentance is not. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herd of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thunderings and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in board. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So we see again that it is not enough to say, I'm sorry, just because you want relief. All Pharaoh was repenting about was just to get relief. And then after the relief has come, you now turn, and then you know, person just goes back to his usual way of living. That is not repentance. That is how people with a hard heart behave. It is only when they are in trouble, that's when they remember God. They will abstain from going to church when things are okay. The moment there's a little bit of challenge in their business, they, that's when you see them coming to church, they are serving, they want to be ushers, they want to be this. They say, I want to serve God. I just love God. You know this thing. You know the way it is. Blah, 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 blah. The pastor will pray for them. God will change the situation. Things will get better. After a while, they vanish from church again. When you go after them, say, what is it now? Is it by force? Must I come to your church? I'm tired of this thing. You are always chasing after me. Blah, 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 blah. He didn't repent. But we are happy because we want members. God is looking for disciples. A disciple must repent. A disciple cannot have a hard heart. We discussed this some broadcasts back. So it is not repentance. Pharaoh kept saying, I repent. I have sinned. He said it. He said, I have sinned against God. So saying that I have sinned does not mean that you are repentant. Repentance is the action that we see that says that this fellow has really changed. But for you to say I have repented and then you go back to your old lifestyle is no repentance. Let's take a third example. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. 
The Bible says that Israel, the whole nation sinned. But it wasn't the whole nation. It was one man in the nation, Acre, who sinned. He had taken a Babylonish garment and had taken some silver. They were supposed to destroy Jericho and destroy it totally and completely and burn everything. They were not to take anything out of it. Jericho was like a first fruit as far as God was concerned. And so everything was to be sacrificed, wholly burnt to God. But Achan had taken something. And not knowing that this had happened, Israel again gathered to plan warfare to go against Ai, a very small city-state. And the spies who went said that that place is smaller than Jericho. There's no need for us to send too many. Just, let's just send a few people. They went and I think about 36 of them were killed. So after they returned, then Joshua went and lay down before the Lord to say, what has happened here? After he laid from afternoon till evening time, God said, get up, what are you lying down for? You, you people sinned. Say, ah, sinned, how? So let me read it from there. Let me take from verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie, why do you lie laws on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff therefore the children of israel could not stand before their enemies but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction neither will i be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you get up sanctify the people and say sanctify yourselves for tomorrow because thus says the lord god of israel there is an accursing in your midst O israel you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away their customs from among you. Please note, this was an announcement that was made. There's an accosting among you. Take it away, otherwise you cannot stand. So in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accosting shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Let's pause here. Up till this point, Achan was hearing this. He kept quiet. He said nothing. So Joshua rose early in the morning. The people were supposed to sanctify themselves. Sanctification means that you are setting yourself, preparing your heart to meet with God. So if you say you are preparing your heart to meet with God, how come you did not confess your sin? How come you did not say, ah, I sinned though? He did nothing. Now, let's go to verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. So they were coming out tribe by tribe, tribe by tribe, tribe by tribe. Achan said nothing. Then the tribe of Judah was chosen. His own tribe. He kept quiet. He brought the clan of Judah. And he took the family of Zarites. And then they started coming family by family, family by family, family by family. Achan didn't say anything. They chose the family that he's under. He kept quiet. And then he brought the family of Zarites, man by man. And the household of Zabdi was chosen. Achan is under Zabdi. He kept quiet. Then he brought his household, man by man. And Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Achan kept quiet until he was caught. Now, Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them, and there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. 
You can read the rest. They went to the place. They saw it. Brought it out. Then they took those things. Took Achan. Took his children. His family. Everything about him. His tent. His livestock. Everything. They stoned them and burned them off. See what Achan did. Repentance is not admitting a guilt or confessing to a sin only after you have been caught or found out. Just so that you can escape the consequence. You can avoid it. Achan was thinking that, okay, if I now confess at this point in time, I will avoid it. He could, the time when he could have made that confession, that admittance, was long before. Can you imagine what it meant to go through all of that the whole day? Picking tribe, picking family, picking household, picking man after man. Imagine the population. He kept quiet until they chose it. He probably thought he would escape. That's the kind of thing that a lot of people do. When they have committed a crime, they will keep quiet until the police have come to arrest them. Then when you now see them on TV, you see them looking remorseful and you want to feel pity for them. It's a lie. If they were not caught, they would have continued. So repentance means that you don't wait to be caught. Once they say there is sin in the land, you must own up. Even if others don't own up, you own up. Many people go to church and they are looking for who will bail the cat. When they say, if you want to give your life to Christ, you know that you are a sinner. You want to confess your sins before the Lord. Come to the front of the altar. They'll be waiting for one person to get up. When one person gets up, then they'll follow. How can that be repentance? How have you repented? Achan had the opportunity to come clean the day before. He said nothing. He had the opportunity to come clean. When they even chose the tribe of Judah, he said nothing. When they chose the family, he said nothing. When they chose the household, he said nothing. They were picking man after man. He didn't say, stop, I'm the one. He waited to be picked. He still waited for Joshua to say, okay, confess. That's when he confessed. Maybe hoping that his confession will make him avoid the punishment. It was too late. That is not repentance. There are many people who want to wait to repent at the 11th hour. It will not be repentance. They will be like Esau. They will cry. They will be seeking after repentance. They will not get it. I'm not sure if I've told the story before. Of a man whom a pastor was begging. Give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ. He said, oh, I have a trip to make. After that trip, I will surrender my life. The pastor will keep urging him. He will say, no, after that trip, after that trip. The day before that trip, he said to him, give your life now. After What is this after this trip? The man said, no, when I, I've told you, when I come back, I promise you, I will surrender my life. The next morning, the man's wife ran to the pastor and said, Pastor, your friend is ill. He's in hospital. He fell in last night. So the pastor went to the hospital to see the man. When he looked at the man, this man was not going to come out of this thing. So he went to him and he held him. He said, my friend, are you ready to give your life to Christ now? Let us pray. The man held this sinner's hand. And his friend, the sinner, looked at him and said, too late, too late. I mean, I thought all he needed to say was, yes, yes, I'm ready to repent. He was just saying, too late, too late. And within a minute or two, he died off. He was lost forever. People who think that they can be deceptive and cunning and crafty with God, God will take them at their craft. So don't delay. Don't wait and say, well, after a particular time, I will. Don't worry. When I have made some money, I will repent. When I've done this, I will come, I will come to Christ. When I have my first child, I will come to Christ. I have to see that girl. After that girl, I will come to Christ. After that boy, I will come to... It doesn't work that way. The moment... You are told that you are a sinner unless you don't have conviction in your heart. You must repent. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, again, we look at another example. This was the case of King Saul. God had told King Saul to go and slaughter the Amalekites because of what they had done when Israel was coming in the way 
from Egypt. God said, I remember what they did to Israel when they were coming out in the wilderness, how they smote the hindermost part, the weak ones among them. So send King Saul to go to Amalek and slaughter all of them. Not one soul should be left. Children, women, everybody to be killed, including animals and everything. Then Saul went and he killed the weaklings, killed even the weak animals, but took the fat animals and took the king Agag alive. And I'm sure there were some other members of the royal family that he would have spared, some of the rich people that he would have spared. And God told Samuel, it repents me that I made Saul king. Let me read it from verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Samuel said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said to him, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoils and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I mean, can you imagine? And gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. How can you say you utterly destroyed when you spared Agag, when you spared the flock? But the people took the plunder, sheep and ox and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed in sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as the iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. God is saying here, all those people who are telling you, fooling you, that if you bring a fat offering to God, God will protect you. When you are a sinner, the Bible says, God does not delight in sacrifice and offering. His delight is that you do his will. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said in Hebrews, I came as it's written of me, sacrifice and offerings you did not delight in, but I came as written of me in the volumes of the books to do your will, O Lord. All this craze about give your tithes, give your offerings, it is the pastor who wants those things. Those things don't please God. God expects you to be obedient and not think that you can buy his affection with giving an offering. Verse 24, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I fear the people and obey their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. What kind of statement is that? Have you truly repented? But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and he tossed. So Samuel said, 
the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and thus given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. He wasn't talking about the sheep. He wasn't talking about Agag. He, uh, he just wanted to look good to the people. He wanted the people to believe that God was with him. That was all he was interested in. That he had done something wrong did not even occur to him one bit. He wasn't discussing. Look at verse 33. Then Samuel said, bring Agag the king of Amalekites here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among the women. And Samuel hugged Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel was the one that now did what God said he should do. Not even Saul. Up till that time, Saul did not say, go and kill that Agag that is putting me in trouble. No, he did not. So repentance is not something you do to save face. It's not something you do to remove yourself from public disgrace or public humiliation. That was all that was interesting to King Saul. There must be true contrition of heart. There must be a readiness to face the consequence of your actions. The prodigal son said, I will arise. I will go to my father and I will say, I have sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. I am not worthy to be your child. Make me one of your servants. When he went, the father saw him. The father embraced him. The father kissed him. The father was happy. He, the prodigal son, did not keep quiet. He said, Father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I am not worthy to be your son. Make me a servant. My father said, you, a servant? No, you are going to be my son. What the point I'm trying to make is that it is not enough to say, I will repent. And then just because you have been shown love, you keep quiet. No, you repent. Look at King Saul. He was more interested in public image than repentance before God. There are many people in ministry today who are more interested in preaching than in repenting before God. They are more interested in showing off that they are prophets, telling lies, than repenting of what they have done. Let us be careful. It is not repentance. Just because you appear in public and people look at you and hail you and say, man of God, and you think that that means that God has accepted you. No, you must repent of sin when you have sinned. When it is brought to your attention, you must repent of it. If you have done something wrong and God brings it to your attention, you must repent of it. Let's look at another instance here. Matthew chapter 27, verse 3 to 5. Matthew 27, verse 3 to 5. This was after Judas Iscariot had betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ had been sentenced to death by the Sanhedrin. And he didn't escape. So let's read it from verse 3. Matthew 27 from verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. How can that be repentance? You cannot punish yourself or inflict pain on yourself as a means of atonement for your wrong. No, that is what Jesus Christ came to do. The Lord Jesus Christ came to atone for our sins. You are not even qualified to atone for your own sin. You are not. Even under the old covenant, 
they were not even able to atone for themselves. They needed the blood of an animal. So you cannot be beating yourself, be fasting, be injuring yourself as a means of atonement. No, atonement was done by the Lord Jesus Christ. You must go to him and accept his sacrifice as sufficient for you. That is repentance. But to think that you can inflict punishment on yourself as a means of paying what you have done. No, that's not repentance. Another thing that I want to note here is he went to hang himself. How do you commit a sin because of a sin that you had committed? How do you bring one sin to say you want to deal with another sin? It's not possible. It's not minus minus equals plus. No, it doesn't work that way. You cannot pay for sin by sinning. For example, he went to hang himself. Suicide is not a solution to your problems. Suicide is a sin. Some people don't know that suicide is a sin against God. God says, thou shalt not commit murder, including yourself. Suicide is to murder yourself. You did not make yourself. You did not give yourself life. God gave you life. So you cannot commit suicide as a means of abating or ameliorating a sin that you have committed. That is a greater sin. And that will just take you, that suicide is taking you straight to hell. That, I mean, that's the reality of it. Because you have committed murder. Or is it a single girl who gets pregnant? Maybe she's in the choir or in a Christian somewhere. She gets pregnant and then she goes to commit an abortion. That is a sin. Abortion itself is a sin. Your act of fornication is a sin. Then you want to use abortion to cover it up. The fact that you are trying to cover up something is in itself a sin. So how can that be repentance? It cannot be repentance. Or telling a lie to cover up an act that you did wrong. You did something. Then you beg people, please do. Uh, when they come, say this, eh? say this. Uh, then you say, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't know that I did that thing. I'm, I'm sorry about that thing. But please, eh? help me, help me. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. It is not repentance. You cannot use sin to deal with sin and say you are repenting. No, the Lord Jesus Christ is the sacrifice and offering that came to deal with the issue of sin. Go to him, repent before the Lord and confess him as Lord and Savior. And that is sufficient. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 5 to 25. It's, it's a long passage, so I'll just tell the story a little bit. Philip was running away from the persecution of Saul. He got to Samaria and began to preach. There was great joy in the city. One of the people who came to Philip's crusades was a fellow called Simon. He was a sorcerer. He was a juju man in African context. Now he saw power and he said, wow, this power is greater than my power. So he went, joined himself to Philip, even became a disciple as it were. Let me read from verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And then heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, 
who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. This man said he believed. But Peter said, this thing that you are doing, your heart is not right with God. Many people who say they are preaching the gospel and are making money the substance of their message, their heart is not right with God. He says, repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. He was still locked in to his sorcery. The only reason why he came was he saw a greater power. And I'm sure all he was interested in is getting that power so that he can go back and get the people back to his side. That was all it was about. Then Simon answered and said, pray the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. That is all he was interested in. Ah, this thing should not come upon me. Oh, don't, don't let it come upon me. Repentance is not that shallow remorse, which was what Simon the sorcerer did at the beginning when he said he believed. He was doing that with a view to gaining acceptance, with a view to gaining something. There are many people, we've heard it. If you want the power of God to come into your life, come and give your life to Christ. Brrr, people are rushing to the front. But they have never admitted that they are sinners. The pastor has not called them to come to repentance for sin. But if you want the power of God, come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. You see them running. Why? They want the power of God. If you want to receive healing, come quickly, come quickly. They will come. They can be healed, but it doesn't mean they are born again. It doesn't mean they repented of sin. If you want a change in your life, come. They will come so that we can pray for you. Have you confessed of sin? No. You just want a change in your life. You want things to be better for you. That's all. Saying the sinner's prayer does not mean anything. If it is not based on heart conviction for sin. You have not been convicted in your heart that you are a sinner. That was the problem of Simon the sorcerer. He, there was no conviction. He just believed. He wanted something. So he kept following Philip. He was amazed at science, miracles, and wonders. I cannot understand how people who say they are Christians are amazed at miracles, signs, and wonders. I can't understand it. How this child of a rich man is going to be amazed at the wealth displayed by his brother when he also has wealth. If you're a believer, you are a sign, you are a wonder. The signs and wonders is even in your own hands. That's what Mark 16 says. The Lord said to us through Mark 16, that as many who believe and are baptized, they will have power. They will take up poison, they will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, they will be healed. So what is all this? That we are turning men to God. We are turning men into idols and chasing after them. Repentance is not making a confessional statement without really intending to change your ways. There must be a change in your ways. So let me summarize. As we are looking at this, the question you should be asking yourself is, did I really repent? Or did I do any of these things? If you've done any one, you need to repent again. There is a repentance not to be repented of. That's what we are asking you to get into today. You cannot be deceptive and be repentant at the same time. It's not possible. Repentance is something that has no deception, no hypocrisy, no deceit, nothing, no lies. Repentance is when you come clean before God. Repentance is not mere regret. Repentance is from the heart, is a heartfelt. When I say heart, I'm talking of this part that is pumping blood. I mean from your being, the, the centrality of who you are. 
your inner man is from deep within you. It's something that works up from inside of you, having been convicted in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You cannot have a hardened heart and be repentant. The heart cannot be hardened and you repent. It cannot be stony and you say you repent. It cannot be thorny and you say repent. It must be the good and honest heart. That's the heart that is open, receptive to God. That's the heart that can repent. There was no way Pharaoh could repent because his heart was hardened. There's nothing you could do. When there is pain, he would behave as if, okay, I'm okay, please, sorry, sorry, please uh, free me. It's like when you have toothache. When you have toothache, you can use plier. You can use anything just to get that relief. The moment there's relief, in those days when I used to have a bad, a bad tooth, once I put something and they're soothing, I will be thinking, ah, okay, it's okay now. I can let it go. But the pain will now come. So first thing Monday morning, I'm off to the dentist to go and pull that tooth out. I don't care what it will take. Get it out of the place. All I want is relief. But did I stop eating sweets? No. Did I stop candies? No. I didn't stop what was causing the problem. But every time the pain came, I didn't mind pulling the tooth out. That's what we are doing. Many of us don't truly repent. We just want relief. I just want that pain. I want that sickness to go. Then some of us will begin to confess, Father, forgive me all my sins, all the sins I have done. From the time I was born, oh Lord, let this pain just go away. Whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. Oh this, oh that. The moment the pain subsides, we are back to our old ways. That's not repentance. To show remorse after you have been caught and you are about to be punished is not repentance. That's what Achan was trying to do. The time that Achan should have repented, he did not until he was caught. And even at that, they had to say, confess, what did you do? Thinking that he would escape it. Unfortunately, he included his family and everything that he possessed. Repentance is not a face-saving action. You cannot be getting into face-saving actions and say that that qualifies as repentance. If your act of repentance is just to save face, it's not repentance. You cannot be doing things just so that people will say that you are okay. When you know that you are not okay. You want to dress well. When you know there's iniquity in your heart. What has a good dress got to do with it? Go to God and repent before God. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. A well-dressed sinner is still a sinner. The better you wear tatters and be righteous before God. After all, remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? The rich man lived sumptuously, but he went to hell. Lazarus who had sores that dogs came to lick and was eating from a dustbin, he went to heaven. What the Lord Jesus Christ was just trying to tell us there is it is not about the state in which you are on the earth here. It is about how you are living before God. If you are living righteously, you go to heaven. Even if you are a poor man. If you are living unrighteously, even if you are the richest man in the world, you are going to hell. Self-punishment is not repentance. You cannot punish yourself and say that punishment means repentance. I think in the Middle Ages, that's what they used to do. When people have sinned, they will now take a whip and be whipping themselves, whipping themselves until blood comes out. That's what the prophets of Baal were trying to do when Elijah called them to a contest. They began to cut themselves and blood was gushing out when they were calling on Baal and Baal was not answering. And Elijah was mocking them and said, you better cry out very well. Maybe he has gone to the toilet or maybe he went on a journey. You know, he doesn't hear. So shout very well. And they began to cut themselves. They jumped up. They did everything. It didn't change anything. Repentance is not self-punishment. They're just injuring yourself. That is not repentance. You cannot pass judgment on yourself and say that that's repentance. Saying sinner's prayer to gain what is on offer in church is not repentance. Repentance is about dealing with the wrong in your heart and getting it out and changing your ways. So if all you have gone to do is to stand in front of an altar and say the sinner's prayer and nothing has changed in your life, you have not repented. I guarantee you that. Repentance has to do with a change in your life. You can say sinner's prayer 10,000 times, nothing will happen. If in your heart you are not convinced that you are a sinner, you are not convicted of your sin 
and you say, I want this sin no more. Confessing to sin without a change in your lifestyle is not repentance. You can confess all you want, but if you don't change, you have not repented as far as God is concerned. Repentance requires not just the confession, but the conversion. It is important that there must be a conversion. There must be a change in your lifestyle. Otherwise, it's not repentance. Repentance is making a definite change in line with God's will. Not in line with the will of your pastor. Not in line with the will of your church doctrine. But in line with the will of God. Remember, when a man sins, he sins against God. When a man does anything wrong, he does it against God. I think we, we spoke about it last week. When David said, it is against you, O Lord, that I have sinned. Not against anybody, but against you. We must recognize that what we are repenting of is something that God does not want. We're not repenting of something that God wants. We repent of something that God does not want. So if we repent of something that God does not want, what are we still doing it while serving God? My brothers and my sisters, I believe that by now we know what repentance is and now what repentance is not. Repentance has to do with realization that you have sinned, realization that you have done wrong, realization that you are following a wrong path, acknowledgement that indeed I am wrong. That is the result of conviction. And then a confession, an admittance, that I am truly wrong. It's a public action. I say it with my mouth. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I say it. I've done something wrong. This act, this act, this act is wrong. I've sinned against God. I want to come clean. One of the things that goes with confession is the fact that you recognize that God does not accept that conduct and that you must no longer do it. You cannot be repenting and be going back to doing the same things. And then, after the repudiation of sin, the loathing, the forsaking of sin, and so on and so forth, you must change in the way you conduct yourself. You cannot be still dressing like a prostitute and say that it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters to God. If indeed there is a change on the inside, it will soon manifest on the outside. We cannot be speaking of change on the inside and then we don't see it manifest on the outside. True repentance means that you have changed on the inside. And we will see it on the outside. By the grace of God, we will discuss another aspect of repentance next week. We'll be looking at examples from the Bible to look at those who truly repented, those who repented falsely, and those who never repented at all. We're going to pick a few examples and then we'll examine those things. Because it is important as we go back to basics to understand the basics where repentance is concerned. My prayer for you is that the Almighty God will give you a spirit of repentance, a spirit of humility, a true spirit to realize in your heart that you have sinned and that you need to get it out of the way by going to God in prayer. I pray that between now and next week, the issue of repentance from sin and indeed of other things that are wrong would have been dealt with by you. And then we'll look at the examples and we know that we can move on. God bless you.